in him to prepare this word that we're about to hear and we look forward for your touch through Dave in Jesus name Amen there. Isaiah chapter 61 and I'll read the first three verses for the moment we'll read more later but let's start with Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3 the spirit of the, the Lord of God is upon me Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, you might have thought, Dave, that's very presumptuous of you to read that about yourself. So I'm going to read it again with a bit of poetic license because you could have read it as well. And because I believe this is true. The spirit of the Lord God is upon you. Because the Lord has anointed you to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison for those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that you may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Amen. So the Spirit of the Lord wants to be upon us. Amen. Amen. A promise, an anticipation. Amen. I noticed somebody typed in the chat box, I'm coming with expectancy this morning. Amen. I don't know what you, what, how you came to church this morning. You know, so, sometimes I, I think, if church was full, is that a problem? No. It would be nice if it was full, but then there'd be no room to invite anybody. And so we have a bit of a mindset, well, I won't invite anybody because they may not have a seat. I remember talking to a Chinese Christian friend of mine who said when they met in church, well, when they met as church, they met in a house. He said, and they met in a house and they, they sat on all the chairs and they sat on the floor and then they squatted in the hall. And then when the whole of the downstairs was full, they put a little microphone downstairs and they put some speakers upstairs and people went and sat in the bedroom. He said, sometimes there'd be a hundred people in the house. Just having imagine having a hundred people in your house to gather around the word. You know, it's very, very, very interesting how different cultures um, move in different ways. Um, dear friend of mine who's now been to be with the Lord, he went to preach in Romania. And he said the church they preached in, the windows were broken. And it was cold, so there was cold air blowing through. And so people came with coats. No one complained about whether it was hot or cold. They came ready. And there wasn't a toilet in the building. The toilet was at the other end of the street. And here's the interesting thing. People went to the toilet before they came. So they didn't have to go. You know, so there, there, was, there was an expectation. I want to be in the room. I want to be there because God is going to move. Because the Spirit, the Sovereign Lord, is upon you. What purpose does God have to anoint us? He anoints us to preach good tidings. 
We should have something good to say every day. It doesn't always have to be, are you a Christian and are you saved? But just a good story. A good story of how I feel good this morning. Some, some of us will leap out of bed in the morning. Proverbs talks about this. People will leap out of the bed in the morning and sometimes it'll be a bit of a pain to the people who aren't morning people. But you'll have good news. Why are you feeling good this morning? Because the so Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. And if you don't feel good in the morning, ask for the Spirit to fall upon you. Why has he anointed us to heal the brokenhearted? We live in a broken world. There are plenty of people around it. Plenty of times I hear people talking about how difficult, how, how challenging the day has been, how something has been lost. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And please do not just think this is about prison bars. There are many people who are captive to habits, to mindsets, to um, relational... Um, you know, th th there are people who are relationally stuck. Proclaim liberty to the captives. What does proclaim mean? It says speak it out. Declare it. If somebody, if somebody starts sharing with you about how they feel stuck, why not start declaring freedom over that stuck place? Why not speak it forth? And the opening of the prisoner to those who are bound. So those who are bound, maybe spiritually. The opening of the prison. Speak forth life. Proclaim it's the Lord's year. And then for those who are struggling... And this is where I, 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 this particular, the beginning of verse 3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. Ashes speaks of the end of something. When, when the fire has gone, I mean, if the fire is still alight, there are still embers. There is still the form of wood and coal in the fire. But once the fire has died completely, and, and here's the crazy thing, most of us would not remember this, but... There, there would be people possibly in the room, possibly who are listening, who would remember coming down in the morning and blowing on the embers of the night before to start the fire again for the day. So it wasn't like you were starting a new fire. The fire was continuous. It just had died down and was going... And, and then you'd, you'd, you'd take the ashtray out and get rid of the ash and then you'd put more wood on the fire and you'd blow on the embers from last night that were in the middle of that ash and then the flame would burst again. But you know, if you cannot get any flame, if it's just ash remaining, there's nothing left, you've got to start again. So ash speaks of an end of something. It speaks of something that is finished. And actually, people use ashes for, for mourning. I'll show you some pictures in a moment of some, some, some people I, I knew who used uh, ash for, for mourning. But to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, that they shall be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, it says this, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out... Out of this you were taken from the dust, and to dust you shall return. God's a creative God. The Old Testament talks about how creative God can be. And we read in Genesis how he took the dust and created man. 
God's a creative God. So even in the times when we can't do it ourselves, God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. In Job 2.8, he took for himself a potsherd from which to scrape from himself whilst in the midst of the ashes. Job was mourning. Job was sad. Wanted to get rid of the ash and the impact of the ash itself. Daniel, in Daniel 9.3, Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make my request by prayer and with supplications, with fasting, sackcloth, sackcloth, and ashes. Morning. A time of saying, oh, yeah, Jeremiah's good at this. Lamentations is a great place to go. When you want to have a, a, a whinge at God. And say, God, why is it like this? Sometimes when we're mourning a loss, and a loss not, does not necessarily only need to be people. Sometimes our dreams are stolen. Sometimes our roles are stolen. Sometimes our jobs are stolen. I sense the enemy at the moment really wants to attack Christians in our identity, who we are. Wants to come and whisper in our ear and say, see, you're not really that good. Wants to come and challenge who we are. And the enemy just wants to come at the very cusp of who we are. And first things we need to know is God created us in his image. So please, when you look in the mirror and you don't like the wart or the spot or the whatever it is, the wrinkle. Yeah, did you know there are algorithms now? You can press a button and you can be on Zoom and you can lose all your wrinkles. Did you know that's, a, that's an option available? If anybody wants to know how to do it, I'll happily share with you afterwards. So if anybody just feels they don't quite look right. You know, so we've got algorithms that can change us. But you know, actually, the most beautiful thing about you and me is our insides, not our outsides. It's what we think, it's what we feel, it's what, who we are. God created us to have fellowship with us. The Sunday school are looking at Was God lonely? God, 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 well, God wanted fellowship with us. He wants fellowship with us. He wants time with you and me. Let's go back to Isaiah 61. Let's go back to Isaiah 61. From the Amplified, it says this, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garland, a diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of heavy burdened and failing spirit, that they shall be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Here's an example of mourning. This lady is a lady from Papua New Guinea, and uh, she, her husband was a chief. And the way they decided how long they mourned for was they put necklaces on and they put mud made from ashes. Uh, afterwards, they would make mud from ashes, they put it on their face, and they would mourn for as long as they were wearing necklaces and as long as there was still ash on their face. But they did not wash. So it wasn't like you could, you know, sometimes you have a, 
you have a, a, tat, a, a, a stamp on your hand when you go in a prep place and they put a stamp on your hand and then the following day you can wash it off. They didn't wash. They just literally allowed the ash to fall off their bodies. And when that time was over, sometimes, sometimes for, for fairly senior um, people, um, they, they would be wearing necklaces for a, a hundred days. Here's an example of a gentleman who's in the midst of mourning. He's already mourned for a number of days, but you can see the ashes started to go. And I want to speak to this particular issue. I want to speak not to, not, not, not to putting ash on your face, but I want to speak to this particular issue of loss. I don't want to focus on people. I want to focus on the losses that we've had, the mournings that we've had the trouble that we've had. You may have been made redundant at some point in your life. You had a job and suddenly the job is no more. That's what redundancy means. That's literally what it means. That the job is no more. It's stopped. And some people find identity in work. When will you meet someone at a party and you shake hands and you're just talking to them Typically, the kind of questions people ask are, I'm Dave, you're John, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? That's, those are the typical questions we always ask one another, isn't it? Have you ever tried going a different way and saying, so tell me, what makes you tick? What, what gets you up in the morning? I've tried it a few times and I get silenced to start with because people are surprised by the question. Because we're so used to going, hi, my name's... Who, you know, and then we describe who we are by what we do. And I know it's a large part of our week if we're working. But you know what? The moment you, if that's, if that's a ch who you are, then when you lose it, suddenly it's like we feel like we're an empty shell. I think I've been made redundant three times in my life, so I can speak from a place of, place of experience. But you know, when it happens, you, you start by thinking, what did I do wrong? Could, could I have done better? Did I upset somebody? Did I overstep the mark? And we start by mourning the loss of who we are. It's one, one kind of thing that we can lose. Sometimes we break up in relationships. We fall out with people. Sometimes a covenant relationship can be broken. Do you know what? Even if, even if the other party had all the wrongdoing, we kind of start to blame, what did I do wrong? Could I have done any better? And we start to mourn. We mourn the, not just the loss of that person, but the loss of that relationship and our part to play in that. And you can see it on people's faces sometimes. They've had a difficult week, a difficult day, and you can see their face is low, their, 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 their lips are down. They're mourning Sometimes our dreams can be stolen. Sometimes we sense our prophetic words are challenged. We had a prophetic gathering last weekend. We had Clem with us. Prophetic words were released. One of the first things that will happen is there will come a time of testing when the enemy wants to dissuade us that God didn't speak to us. And suddenly we're kind of in the place of doubt and going, I wonder if he did say that. I wonder if I'm really saved. Have you ever asked that question? 
Yeah, it happens from time to time when we're, we need to get our eyes focused back on the source. We need to throw off the elements of mourning. And we need to press into who we are in Christ. So let me dive back into 1 Corinthians 11, but to, sorry, Isaiah 61, reading on now. I want to read the whole of Isaiah 61, starting at verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord. Now, I, I really would love you to receive this now because I want to go on from what we leave behind to what God is for us as he promises um, to be upon us by his Spirit. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you because the Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, there will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and your vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For the Lord, for I the Lord love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known amongst the nations and their offspring amongst the peoples. All who will see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Such a promise. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us too, and we, we, we've understood that. And the purpose is that God would be manifest through you and me. And so what I'd like to do is to pray. We're going to come around communion after the word this morning, but I want to pray. I want to linger in some words here. And I'm going to ask you to respond, at least in your heart. Those online, those in the room, those listening later. But I want to start with self-image. I want to start with that place. And I want to start with that place because I, I just sense there are some... I had a picture as I was preparing for this and I had a picture of somebody looking at themselves in a mirror but the mirror had been shattered. And so the, 
the picture wasn't perfect. You know, there were two noses and uh, you know, three ears, just because of the way the mirror now works. I just sense that for one or two people, this was true for you. And I want to pray for you right now. Because I, I sense we've got to focus on, okay, the problem is not us, the problem is the mirror. What are we looking at? And we see ourselves reflected in others. We see ourselves reflected in what people say about us, say to us. And I want to encourage, if that's you, I want to encourage you to go back to the Father and what the Father sees in you. Not what others say about you, not what you see in yourself, but what does the Father say about you? Allow his words to wash over you. Allow his words to speak to your inner being. Allow his words to fill you. And so, Father God, when we get an imperfect view of ourselves, Father, we lift our eyes up to you. We look to you. And we say, oh God, refresh me. Renew me. Get, help me to get a right mind over my relationship with you and how you see me. For you and I have been created for a purpose. You and I have a calling upon our lives. You and I have something that we need to do. And we need to do it for his glory. And the phoenix that rises out of the ashes, the embers that glow again, as, as there seemed like the fire had died and yet the breath of the Holy Spirit breathes on those embers again and the fire comes again. And this time it comes more strongly and this time it comes more brightly. Warmth arises. Relationship is restored. People are drawn in by the story. Father, help us, help me, help those who are praying this prayer with me to get our eyes off words that have been spoken about us in the past. Words that we keep speaking to ourselves and even repeating to ourselves, so much so that we believe them. Father, I want to break that repetitive, that repetitive uh, speaking of, of phrases. Particularly hearing as I'm praying, somebody who just says, you're not, you're not any good at that, don't bother trying again. If that's you, I just believe that God's breaking that, uh, that, that, that phrase upon your life to speak freshly into your situation and circumstance. You were created for a purpose. You were created with meaning. You are not a mistake. I even sense as I'm, as I'm saying this that uh, that was a phrase that rung in your head because your parents hadn't planned you. It's very, very interesting when you listen to couples who have maybe an unexpected child later in life. Some people talk about the joyous surprise. Other people say the unexpected problem. Do you know what? We're not a mistake. In God's plan, in God's purpose, he created us in his image for his purposes. And so, Father, I speak your life, your truth, into hearts and lives right now. Let me move on. Let me move on. And now I want to pray for those who have had a dream stolen. 
you've been building towards a dream, there's something that you've been building towards for years, maybe even decades. You always wanted to be this. The kind of thing sometimes children ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? They say, fireman, a policeman, a doctor. For some of, so for some of us, this has been true. You're building all the way through to that and you feel like you've come to a crossroads and you need to turn right to continue in your career. And the road is taking you left. The path is taking you left. Everything that's happening is taking you left. I would just ask whether it's the Lord leading. Just ask the Father. Is this you, Lord? Because he has ways and means of, 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 of reconnecting pathways and journeys that are way beyond our understanding. And maybe he's, avoid, he's, a, he's leading you a different way to avoid you going down a cul-de-sac. And ending up stuck somewhere. And so, Father, I want to pray for those whose dreams have been stolen. For those whose dreams are on the knife edge. For those whose dreams seem to be fading into the distance. Father, I pray, if it's you, rekindle them, O oh God. And Lord, if leading a different way, Lord, show and speak and release your purpose, O oh God, into those lives and situations. That the morning might be past. That a new day might dawn. That new energy, purpose and direction would come, we pray, in your mighty name. Amen. And my final area of prayer is broken relationships. I had a phrase ringing in my head as I was praying in the middle of the week about what I was going to share this Sunday. Oh, there's no point. I had this, this phrase, there's no point in me even trying. There's no point in me even picking up the phone, sending an email. When Jesus came to the disciples as they were fishing by the sea, they fished all night. And, you know, these are expert guys. They know what they're doing. And he said to them, cast your nets one more time over the side. Now, to be honest, I'm not a fisherman, but sometimes I think about that story. And I think I'd have probably turned to Jesus and said, really? You're not a fisherman. Why would you know? We've been fishing all night. Did you not realize? And so I just sense it's really good to open our ears to what God's saying to us and through us. And saying, Lord, speak. Lord, we've been laboring, we've been toiling, we've been connecting, speaking, building relationship, and it's all gone pear-shaped. Father, if there's a place where I played a part in that, forgive me. Father, help me to find a place where I can say sorry to those that I might have hurt with the words that I said. But where there's nothing that you feel you can do. Lay it before the Lord. You will be surprised by what happens. Lay out the relationship. Lay out the thing that you are mourning. Lay, lay out the fact that you are still wearing ashes. Lay it out before the Lord and say, Lord, I've had enough. Lord, I want to connect again. Lord, this matters to me. Help me to find a way. And please just be aware as I'm praying this, as I'm talking us through this prayer, sometimes when you pray, we're the answer to our own prayers. God asks us to do something. God changes our hearts. God changes our minds. That's what repentance is, is a turning from. So as we repent of wrongdoing and repent of saying something, sometimes God challenges us. And actually we're part of building the bridge again. I don't know how it's going to work out for you, but I want to pray. Lord, would you build new bridges? 
Would you open new conversations? Father, would you renew relationships? Both with you, Father God. I even sense of somebody who might be listening later, who's turned their back on God and said, I've had enough. And God's whispering in your, your ear today, Son, come home. Son, come back. Come and sit at my feet. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Daughter, you're special, you're precious. Come and sit. I want to listen. I want to hear what you, what's on your heart. Tell me about it. And so, Father God, I want to declare over all those who are listening to this in the room, later, online, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Throw off the ashes of mourning. Have joy again. In Jesus' name. Amen.